What's up, you awesome nerds? Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name's Kaylee Hillier, and I am just so obsessed with Pitch Perfect. You should know this by now, that I made this podcast all about it. So good. Coming up on the podcast today, I've got some great fan fiction highlights. There's one that is just like pure chaos. We've also got just some really cute moments and like a retake on what could have happened at a particular moment in Pitch Perfect 3. And I have also got our main feature for today. We're delving into another song from the movies. But first, let's take a look at the actor news. First up, Anna Kendrick. There's a number of Anna Kendrick announcements this week. First up, we had the exciting news of her being involved in a new project that is being known as Rodney and Cheryl. It was announced that Anna Kendrick would join this project about a drama based around a true story of the time that a serial killer competed on and won a date on a popular TV game show called The Dating Game. It sounds so quirky and weird and just like something Anna Kendrick could do so I am well excited to see that and just like we now have like a new project to kind of start getting excited about and start kind of revving up for even though it's probably going to be like a year away but still I'm excited. Also with Anna Kendrick it was announced that Dummy, the Quibi show that involves the sex doll and of course Quibi died a death that uh, it didn't last very long. But we were worried that we might lose Dummy, but no, because a lot of the Quibi shows have been taken up by the platform Roku, and one of those is Dummy, and you can now actually see Dummy on Roku. Apparently for free. I haven't actually tried accessing it myself, I don't know if it's accessible everywhere, but it's nice to know that Dummy hasn't just been lost to the ether of things, you know? I mean, it had its good moments. It's a very quirky show. And finally, if you just wanted to get a little bit more like Anna Kendrick into your day, what about a bedtime story? DreamWorks Trolls announced that they have some sleep stories and meditation narrated by Anna Kendrick available right now on the Calm app. So you could literally go to sleep to Anna Kendrick. Like, if you just need a de-stress... And just like a like a good wellness moment, you could literally just like lie there and listen to Anna's voice as she reads you a story. I am so ready to listen to this. If you've listened to it, I'd love to know your thoughts on Anna Kendrick's story on the Calm app. In other news, Ben Platt released the Imagine Remix. So if you haven't had enough of his song Imagine just yet, he's done a remix, or Tiesto has done a remix, and you can now check that one out, giving you a whole new take of his single Imagine. Rebel Wilson has now given us a release date for her children's book. Bella the Brave will be released on the 27th of October, and apparently it's going to be drawing on a lot of her ex life experiences, the thing that she's learnt growing through her life, She's kind of putting it into this book. So I'm intrigued to see how that's all going to go and kind of what aspect she's going to share 
if you've seen anything on social media, there's like a really cute little illustration that goes along with the book that I think is very cute. So I'm excited. And finally, Skylar Austin has announced that his first original song will be coming out during June sometime. He's been teasing us for a while about having new music and it looks like it's actually going to be happening. So watch this space. What type of thing do you think he's going to be doing? I mean, we know he's musical. I've always seen him in sort of an acting role. But it's going to be interesting watching him venture out into the music industry. That's it for our acting news this week. A whole heap of things happening and a whole heap of things to look forward to. We'll be delving into my fan fiction highlights later on the podcast. But right now it's time to take a look at another song from Pitch Perfect. It amazes me that I've done a few of these sort of song episodes and I always get a bit worried that maybe they're a bit boring, but people seem to really like them. Maybe it's just like the random music facts that you get as we look at a song from the movies. And so I thought I'd just take a random song and this time we're looking at Pitch Perfect 1, the audition scene, which is the song Since You've Been Gone by Clearly Clarkson. When I picked out this song as the song to look at this week, I was kind of really excited because this is like a big song. There are obviously a number of songs in the movie and, you know, a lot of them are in mashups and stuff. But this song is slightly different, I feel like, than a lot of the songs featured in the movie because it, it stands alone. Like, it's not really coupled with any other music. It's just that one. And it also covers quite an iconic moment in Pitch Perfect, which is the audition scene. This is kind of your first real taste into how they were going to form the groups and seeing them off stage and what pit the acapella scene is like at Barden University. And to pick a song like this one, which is a power ballad, like... It's a pure poppy power song. And it's a few years old at the point of Pitch Perfect coming out. I mean, Pitch Perfect came out in like 2012. And Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone came out in 2004. So it, it's like eight years later. And yet it still had such an impact in that movie. I think the song itself outside of the Pitch Perfect movies, is so big, it just stood the test of time. People just know all the words to that song because it's one of those that you can literally stick on driving somewhere or in the shower or just at home and just belt it out. It's not a song that you can sing quietly. It's literally like you put it on and you're going to be belting that tune. And even though it, it has been around for a few years, it I don't feel like it's lost its impact. Like, if I pick out a Kelly Clarkson song, that's probably the go-to song I'm gonna think of when I think of Kelly Clarkson. It just kind of shines out there. And I feel like it really kind of stood Kelly Clarkson as an artist outside of, like, the pop idol era that she had come from. This was like, I'm not messing around, here I am. And... I think because it became so well known and just such 
a big tune that for them to pick it to put in the Pitch Perfect movie was such a good choice. Like, I often wonder what other song would you have picked for that audition scene? A song that is as well known, almost everybody's going to know words to, or that is going to really test someone's range of trying to sing and belt out a tune like this. And then also, that's just relatable to the whole audience watching. It's not too new that it would be lost on some of the older members of the audience, but also it's well known enough that a lot of the younger audience would know the tune as well. So like, this is a big tune that they chose. And so you needed something that could work. You didn't need the bells and whistles or the surprise factor that you had with the remixes or the mashups or the compilations that the Bellas did even with like their first performance. This tune was going to stand on its own in the movie and it had to kind of have that wow factor. I think also because this is the... the we're obviously not going to delve too much into uh, the actual audition scene itself, but this was the moment when you got to be introduced to a whole load of the characters, especially the other Bellas and other characters that might have been involved in the movie. And obviously you had all the other ones that wouldn't continue on, but like... Because this song is such a power song to sing, I think having it as the audition scene allowed them to have that fun with which way are they going to sing it, who's the good singer, who's the bad singers. And so with a tune that you kind of already know really well, they could throw you off with like an operatic version or somebody singing really quietly, Stacey do whatever heck she's doing on the stage. like. So many things were happening and you didn't have to worry about the song because you knew it so well already. And then you could just appreciate some of the talent that was on that stage during the audition scene. I mean, Benji, I think, blew a lot of people away. Poor Skylar Austin trying to also sing as Jesse and sing that high. I mean, there's a lot going on in that scene itself. And the fact that it all revolves around this song man, this is a big song to kind of like look at today. I've done like a whole load of searching in and around this song. So just taking a look at Since You've Been Gone as a song. As I've said, it was released in 2004. Way back. I was I was still in high school in 2004. Gosh, it's showing my age now. I remember getting this album when it came out. Like this is a whole thing. It was recorded as part of Kelly Clarkson's second studio album, Breakaway. And the song itself is classed as pop rock and a pop power ballad. It's so freaky because like, I didn't really get into Kelly Clarkson when she first came out, I think because she was one of the sort of pop idol people. So she's like the first one in the States and never really got into like pop idol and that stuff. So, I just knew she was around and then like since she'd be gone kind of hit us in 2004 and I was a little bit obsessed because I was kind of into sort of your Avril Lavigne's and stuff like that. Loved it, got the album and I was sold. That was it. But it could have gone so differently. It could have not been Kelly Clarkson. Could you imagine this song being sung by anybody else? Like... Whenever I think of it, I just imagine the power vocals that came from Kelly Clarkson. 
But I was looking more into the history of this song. It was originally written by Max Martin, who's like a big pop producer. In the 90s, he was famed for bringing the lights of the song I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys and Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. So he knew what he was doing with like big pop numbers. And also Lucas Dr. Luke got a walk. And apparently the song was inspired by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song Maps. And when they first kind of like compiled this idea of the song, they originally wrote it with Pink in mind for the vocals. Like they'd written it for Pink to sing, but apparently she turned it down. And so they then went to Hilary Duff and asked if she wanted to sing the song, but she rejected the song because she couldn't reach the higher notes. And so they were kind of at a loss as to who to ask to sing this song. And when you look at like pop at that sort of time in 2004, it was quite a different kind of era. I mean, Jessica Simpson, you had Britney, Christina Aguilera, and obviously Mariah Carey was really big at the time. And like, I couldn't imagine Mariah Carey singing something like Since You've Been Gone. I think also because the producers at the time had decided they wanted to kind of waken up pop a little bit. Pop had kind of hit a lull in the early noughties. You look at like the songs that were coming out in that era and there was a real shift. You had like the R&B stuff happening over here and then also rock was taking quite a storm. Mr. Brightside by The Killers came out in 2004 and Block Party's Helicopter. So like... These big rock tunes that were were really like doing great things in the chart were coming out. And these producers had listened to the Yeah Yeah Yeah's song Maps and was like, we want to do something around this. But how would you then take that to a pop audience when this wasn't necessarily like a thing that happened very often, like pop mixing with rock? It's happened a lot since and having that harder edge, but it wasn't something that was like done a lot at the time back in 2004 the only other person potentially that could have pulled this song off because it couldn't have been necessarily like a pop princess the only other person that potentially could have pulled this off was Avril Lavigne but she'd already kind of made a reputation for herself singing and writing her own songs so taking on a song like Since You've Been Gone which was produced by other people may not have been her kind of alleyway to go down. So Since You've Been Gone might never have made it in production because nobody really wanted to touch it. Either it wasn't the right type of person or they just weren't the right fit or the style of the song just didn't fit. And so it's amazing to think that Since You've Been Gone might never have actually come to the light of day. It could have just like disappeared. But eventually Kelly Clarkson was suggested and it wasn't like they, they were willingly going to give it to Clarkson. Apparently there was a lot of persuasion to try and get them to even consider Kelly Clarkson for the song. And then eventually the song then made it to Clarkson. The album Breakaway was already finished and then they were like, okay, we want you to take a look at this song and maybe add it to the album. It was the last song to be produced for the album. 
So Clarkson went to listen to the song and see if it was something that she wanted to be involved in. And amazingly enough, like the version that you hear now apparently is really different from the original version of the song. As much as the song needed someone to pick it up and to sort of carry it, Clarkson also had a lot of things to add to the song to just really make it what it became. And although it had a really poppy sound, she suggested that it goes down this kind of harder route. So it could have been a lot poppier than where it ended up. Which is crazy to think now because like the harder edge of Since You've Been Gone works so well. I couldn't imagine it being like maybe pushing or verging on the poppy bubblegum pop type of side of things that it could have been. Clarkson said, it didn't have any lyrics and the melody isn't finalised. The track was done on a computer and there was no band on it. My record label was freaking out about it and I was just like, why? Clarkson also explained that when she first heard Since You've Been Gone, she felt like it sounded a little bit pop for her direction and she decided to tweak the song musically by incorporating drums and guitars. So Clarkson's input into the song really kind of allowed it to shape into what it became. And I think one of the big reasons for that is because of the lyrics. Like, this is a song about getting out of a bad relationship. It isn't about being crazy in love or even being sad about it. Like, this isn't a breakup song. This isn't like a sad breakup song or anything like that. This is about being angry. This is about like some loser that held you down until you'd literally had enough. And that kind of woman empowerment that came with this song. And when you look at all the people that could have done it, Kelly Clarkson at the time was trying to kind of shed off what was happening with Pop Idol. She'd done her first album and it was okay. And this was like her opportunity to kind of put her mark out there and say, I'm not a one hit wonder. Like, I might have won this song singing competition, but I'm more than that. And I'm going to show you that. When I was looking for info about the song, I loved this article by Vice. And they expressed how Kelly Clarkson was the perfect person to sing this song. Her relatable position in the American conscious made her the ideal person to cast off an ex. Her ex wasn't Justin Timberlake or the summer's hot new action movie hunk. He wasn't anyone defined by pop culture. He was the same guy who made out with you on the weekend and didn't text you back. You only need to look at what she's wearing in the video, Converse and army green t-shirt and cutoffs, other than her snarky mic face and the literal moshing going on in the video, Kelly let the song's brute F.U. speak for itself. We could relate to her so easily for being totally normal as well as the hormonal release of that perfect pop rock chorus. Rather than the girl next door image that Britney or Christina cultivised in their formative years, Kelly was the American every girl and since you've been gone encapsulated that identity with an unprecedented fist pump. I think that speaks for itself really like that just like described how perfect Kelly Clarkson was for this song. 
it would have had such a different feel if it had been anybody else that had brought this song to light. Also really interesting about the song Since You've Been Gone is because it comes with this rock indie background, it caught a lot of people off guard. Because pop wasn't really doing that back in 2004. What was really funny is when I was looking into this song, apparently there was a study done around the song Since You've Been Gone where they asked self-described rock nerds to identify the song by the first few bars and no one said Kelly Clarkson. Instead they guessed people like Pavement and Smashing Pumpkins. So like, it crossed genres as well. Not only did you get the pop audience because it was Kelly Clarkson, it did hit like a rock audience because of this sort of indie background that the song had come from. And the song itself has like gone on to stand the test of time. If I just take a look at what happened with Since You've Been Gone, at the 48th Grammy Awards, Since You've Been Gone won the category for the best female pop vocal performance. And in 2005, it also won a Teen Choice Award for the category of choice single. Critics also fell in love with Since You've Been Gone and it was crowned one of the best pop songs of the decade. And surprisingly enough, it only peaked in number two in the US charts. It didn't even get that high in the UK charts. It never quite made it to number one because of Candy Shop by 50 Cent at the time. <laughs> Can you imagine, out of all the songs, that's 2004 for you. <laughs> it definitely won a rock audience. Artists like David Grohl and Ted Leo have confessed loving Since You've Been Gone. Looking at like people's reviews of the song and why it stood the test of time, one thing that sticks out is because the lyrics and the message transcend time, gender and situation. It's a very emotional song, like it's all about the unrequited love, the need for revenge. These aren't new themes, but they were done in such a way where you could just belt it out. There's like a whole angry and just like an own it feeling when you sing since you've been gone. The single itself is not built like a pop single either. It's built like a rock single, like an indie rock song. So because it kind of holds in that area, you could have a lot of fun with it. And since the release of Since You've Been Gone, it has had quite an impact into the music industry. Like I was looking at the effect that Since You've Been Gone had. And it's amazing to think of like the songs that have come after it that potentially were inspired or allowed for this kind of rock feel to come into pop music including things like Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, I Knew That You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift, TikTok by Kesha, and Bad Romance by Lady Gaga have all come after Since You've Been Gone. And all of those kind of embrace this kind of pop rock feel. Even the producer Max Martin went on to use the same formula to produce songs like Pink's So What and I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. So like, there are a heck of a lot of big pop tunes that have potentially been influenced or because of the pathway that since you've been gone paved have allowed for these other songs to come out. And you just think, wow, like these are big tunes. So the legacy of since you've been gone is pretty like iconic. 
to then like eight or so years later end up in a movie like Pitch Perfect. It's also come to be known as a karaoke classic. I'd love to know, have you ever done this song for karaoke? I think because it is such a belting out their tune and because a lot of people just know the words, I could see why a lot of people would do this one for karaoke. Maybe this should be my go-to karaoke song if I ever got the nerve to uh, do that. <laughs> Problem is, I wouldn't be able to hit it as good as Kelly Clarkson. No way. So is it any wonder that a tune like Since You've Been Gone ended up on Pitch Perfect? Now, of course, we actually get the whole sort of like compilation sequence of Since You've Been Gone in the movie, but then we also had the soundtrack version, which is only performed by Esther Dean and Skylar Austin. Entertainment Weekly noted that the song was used during the audition sequence of the film and said, Set to Kelly Clarkson Since You've Been Gone, it arranged the singers in a clever a cappella tapestry that simultaneously landed laughs and showed off their talents. They went on to explain that the inclusion of such a song in Pitch Perfect with the addition of the clever editing of the scene makes it feel like a fresh take on a tried and true bad first date montage. Because <laughs> you get the good and the bad all in that one scene. I think because everybody would know the tune but it tests vocals, this is like the perfect song to use for the audition sequence because you get to know the good, the bad and the ugly side of auditions. While the song isn't perfect in the movie, it is the only time that we get to see a realistic moment of what it must have been like to do a cappella. I mean, like, I feel sorry for the teams that had to sit there, like poor Chloe and Aubrey sitting through all these versions of Since You've Been Gone. We can't deny the fact that that scene lets us just appreciate the variety of characters in Pitch Perfect that we've come to know as a lot of the Bellas, but also just some of the talent. I mean, Esther Dean, Ben Platt and Skylar Austin. This is like a big moment for all of them. So I would love to know from you, which out of all of the auditionees was your favourite moment? It's amazing to think that from where Since You've Been Gone started to the journey it made to get into Pitch Perfect, and the fact that, like, it really makes that scene. It's hard to imagine there being any other song that really would have hit the right note than Since You've Been Gone. I'd love to hear from you, though, if there is a song that you think would have done a better job, which song would it have been? I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily go super rocky. Like, could you imagine them trying to do Mr. Brightside in the audition sequence? <laughs> it, it might not have had the, quite the same impact. Well, that is Since You've Been Gone. Let's take a look at some fan fiction highlights. This week on our fan fiction highlights, we've got a whole host of uh, different things this week, starting off with Buy My Hair Everywhere by Connor's Whisk. This is available on AO3. And the summary says, Okay, so maybe Becca's been waiting for this a little bit longer than she'd strictly care to admit. An alternative version to that scene where Chloe's got Becca up against the wall in Pitch Perfect 3, except Aubrey and the other Bellas don't interrupt them. This is a really cute one-shot. It's not very long, 
but I really loved just being able to delve into a moment just one moment from that movie and just like how things could have gone so differently just that little like that little question of what could have been the rollout of this fic just does it so well it really kind of just set my imagination off and I was just sort of set I love it when people do that and they'll just take a moment and then just kind of like extend it a little bit more from what you see in the movie and so as it describes in the summary you're going to get a retelling of that hotel scene but with a slightly different ending because it's one of the iconic Chloe scenes from Pitch Perfect 3 like I remember watching Pitch Perfect 3 and you know there was going to be one. You knew that there was going to be a Chloe moment. They do it in every movie. It was just a question of when. And I don't know if anybody quite appreciated what it was going to be <laughs> when Chloe shoved Becca against the wall. But uh, this is what it, it was. And it was over so quickly. Like, I remember having this slight sense of disappointment because the Pitch Perfect 2 sequence in the tent was a much longer scene, like it was a good chunk of a scene. Pitch Perfect 1, you had a number of big Chloe scenes. I mean, if you just take the shower scene, that's a long scene. There's a good chunk of stuff that happens. Even Hood Night, there's a good chunk of a scene. This one is like seconds. It doesn't last very long at all. And so I remember watching it and you're waiting for the Blakoe scene. It happens. I mean, you could blink and miss this one. So the idea that somebody's kind of just taken that very small Blakoe moment and ran with it is was really exciting. It's a lot sweeter and also a lot cheekier, I feel like. I don't know, like the cheekiness I think I was expecting. I mean, let's be fair. What else is going to happen if Chloe's got you up against the wall in that particular way? But like... <laughs> I think because it came with this whole barrel of unrequited feelings. I mean, we love it so much. The mutual pining that happens in these stories, I am all here for. And it sets the scene really well because it describes the fact that Becca has had these unrequited feelings and she's been battling it for a while. It gives you like a good context. There's like a great build up before the scene plays out. So you've got all of that backstory to this moment and you're just waiting for it to happen because you know it's coming and then the little kind of cheekiness and sweetness that happens after that and also just like the two of them reacting to each other because this is like one scene that you find Becca and Chloe in a bubble although they're in like a hotel there's a lot going on they just kind of get lost in this little bubble of themselves and so between the two of them, getting into this situation and then how they react afterwards and how they're trying to gauge each other and each other's feelings and thoughts and what's going on was really fun and exciting to see. And like how that built up and played out during this fic, it was just a joy to read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The next story I wanted to highlight this week is called If I Never Met You by Suit Up. It's available on AO3 and the summary says, Needing a break from life after her divorce, Becca heads to Greece for a week. On the plane, she meets a bubbly redhead who ends up being her vacation companion. 
This is also a one shot, but this one is just like so sweet and fluffy. I loved it so much. There's like a little bit of angst in there, but it's just like one of those really cute, meat cute stories. And like the type of thing that you would imagine on like a Lifetime movie, all rolled up into this neat little package that was this fic. I loved it. And I was really intrigued delving into this, how it would play out. Because you kind of end up with Becca and she's really gone through a life change. Things haven't been going that great for her because she got divorced. So she's going on this particular holiday just to kind of gather herself and just have a bit of a break. And you get this really lovely meet cute between Becca and Chloe. And they meet really, really early on and they literally meet on their way to Greece. And what could have been like a really short moment, well, you know, a few hours in a plane, getting to know each other, that could have been the end of it. And I think because Becca was in this kind of life transition where, you know, her whole life has changed and been uprooted and gone through difficult times, it felt like you're really on this journey with Becca of like self-discovery. And so meeting this kind of bubbly redhead at this particular moment in her life was almost like the best thing to happen to her because I'm sure she could have gone to Greece and had a lovely holiday anyway and it would have been what it was but what Chloe's arrival allowed was for Becca to take a chance on something like she ended up because of this one meet cute making decisions and moving forward in a way that she probably wouldn't have done in any other context, but because everything was so topsy-turvy and all over the place in her life, like, she was willing to just go out of her comfort zone and just stretch it a little bit. And I thought that was just really cute. And I thought that that was just, like, a really great exploration of, like, how difficult it could have been after going through something like she had gone through. And also just very gently warming up to someone else, like... This is obviously like a holiday romance, but it doesn't just start where they meet and escalate very quickly. It's like a slow build up through their holiday. And it was great that like both of the characters had like something to share with the other and the kind of push and pull of that whole situation. And of course, as you would expect from like a holiday type of romance situation, is the fact that obviously at some point the holiday's going to end and you then get this whole kind of fear which you kind of are expecting anyway because of the type of fic it is you're like how is this all going to work out once they leave the bubble of the holiday are they going to keep going what is the situation going to be like or is this all going to be over and so these are questions that are kind of playing in your mind as the fic rolls out but I thought that it had such an interesting twist at the end. I loved it. I wasn't expecting how it was all going to go. But I was all here for it when it did play out. I was just like, this is like perfect. I didn't blame Becca at all for the way she reacted or what she did because of like what she had gone through. But to see that character's development through the story was really lovely to read. And the final story I wanted to highlight this week is called Oblivious by Uniel Forever. I hope I said that right. This is available on AO3 
And the summary says, Becca Mitchell finds herself feeling oddly irritated whenever Chloe's with someone else. She also finds her heart pumping as if it's going to pump its way out of her chest whenever Chloe comes near. Chloe Beale doesn't know what the feeling is. She just hates the fact that Becca's so popular among the females on campus, probably due to Becca's masculine vibe. I will just premise this fic. It's like a two-chapter fic, but I will just tell you, if you delve into this fic, it is like two chapters of pure chaos. It is hilarious. Just the calamity that seems to ensue in these two chapters is amazing. Like, although there was a good hefty chunk to read through, I felt like I needed to catch my breath in moments because everything was happening. And you're just like, what on earth is this situation? Like, it is just pure chaos, but I loved it. It's a really fun play on not only Becca and Chloe and their kind of mutual pining of each other, but you also get just the involvement of the Bellas. And I think for me, this is the thing that really made this story what it was, because there are a number of times when people have incorporated like Bella moments and they're all talking, they've all got points of view, and it's really tricky to do. And I can totally imagine that if you had like 10 or so girls involved <laughs> in each other's lives, that it could be that chaotic. Like, this is literally how it felt. And the pacing is just so quick. Like, you you do think that this is potentially how it would have felt in the Bellas house. Like, this is chaos because of what is happening. And the, the Bellas' excitement or frustration or whatever it is between Becca and Chloe and what the heck is going on there. And so throughout the fic, not only have you got them explaining... Becca and Chloe in their thoughts and feelings and mutual pining of each other. You've also got a number of moments where the Bellas are expressing either their personal frustrations or, you know, communicating with each other or little side digs at their point of view of the situation. There's some really funny moments with Jessica and Ashley when they're just like, We've been a couple for ages and nobody, like, makes comments about us. Like, all of that stuff going on, it really felt that this person had really thought about all of the characters and how all of them would have been affected throughout Chloe and Becca's just mess. And then it, it just becomes a mess. <laughs> all in the best ways. Like, both of them reacting badly because... They don't realise how they feel for each other. And you just want to like strangle them at times. As well as the Bellas just getting frustrated. But the pure chaos just allows for this just hilarious undertone. Like even just the occasional appearance of Aubrey coming in and threatening to just break all of Becca's bones. Poor Emily being oblivious to literally everything. And she's so sweet about it. And yet the Bellas are just like, Emily, what the heck? <laughs> like... Oh, just Becca and Chloe just reacting badly, like just such bad reactions to things that are happening because they just don't realise how they feel. Like it's all just like compiling on to this story of what happens. It's so random. Like I found myself like at the end of this story, just like I need to catch my breath. Gosh, like everything going on. 
And even those moments when you feel like this is like a, a little Becca and Chloe moment, maybe it's all going to work out. The Bellas are there. Like, they're going to be listening in. They're going to want to know everything that's happening. They have been involved in this situation of mutual pining from the very beginning. So, of course, they're going to be there the whole way through. They're not going to miss a beat. And I loved that because I can imagine that is exactly what it would have been like at the Bellas house. It was quite a ride reading this fix. So I hope you enjoy it. Those are our fix of this week. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, we are on Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And of course, please subscribe and leave a review on the podcast wherever you listen to it. It would mean a lot to me. Thank you so much for all of your support. I've set up a Ko-Fi if you did want to support the podcast. You can through that. And all of the proceeds from that are going straight back into the podcast to keep it running. So I really, really appreciate everybody's support and all the kind messages that you send. Somebody said I was charming the other day. So uh, clearly I must be doing something right, don't I? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time, pitches.